I prepared a couple of slides uh, on uh, research, which uh, recently published in the Defense and Peace Economics. And uh, this research uh, aimed to measure the economic cost of revolution and the subsequent Iran and Iraq war for Iranians. Um, I prepared a couple of slides, which I now share it here and um, within the next 20, 30 minutes, I would, I will go ahead with this. Okay, I hope that you see. The economic cost of Islamic revolution and the war uh, for the case of Iran, this is the application of synthetic control uh, synthetic control method in order to measure the uh, the income loss for average Iranians. Um, when it comes to the question of economic costs of Iran, uh, I mean, in the in the literature, there have been efforts to measure a variety of aspects of uh, this cost. However, uh, one question uh, remained uh, more or less unanswered in this literature, and that was this question. What would Iranian economy have looked like in the absence of revolution war with Iraq? Um, the answer to this question uh, was a bit difficult because uh, in order to have a, uh, let's say, a reliable answer to this question, one uh, was needed to have a counterfactual Iran. Uh, a synthetic Iran, which uh, was able to replicate and to generate the Iranian economic situation before the shock of uh, revolution in 1978. And uh, in that case, of course, if there was a, uh, an effect from revolution the war, most likely in a negative way, uh, so we were able to estimate this effect. So the earlier studies, which uh, I will give you also uh, shortly, uh, basically try to measure the economic costs imposed on Iranian infrastructure damages and so on and so forth. However, um, uh, the income loss, uh, the place and the situation that Iranians uh, could reach if this um, uh, wave of revolution and the protest was not happening war, of course, uh, this was not clearly answered. So um, this is something that this study trying to uh, basically reflect on that. Uh, of course, one answer provided by the uh, Ayatollah Khomeini, uh, in which uh, basically one can say uh, he's trying to exactly answer this question, which I'm raising here in this research, however, uh, the answer that Ayatollah is providing uh, basically, it's not based on uh, the statistics and data that we uh, basically verified empirically. He believes, of course, that if this revolution was not happening, uh, uh, only God knows what the state or country would be in today. And he compares to, you know, he encourages us to compare the situation of countries in Asia and Africa and uh, uh, was uh, saying that uh, you know, if a revolution was not happening, our situation was uh, most likely in a much more worse situation than these countries. And basically this regime change from Monashi to the Islamic Republic, uh, basically that was an opportunity to promote and progress. Uh, 
So we try to uh, uh, shed more light on this question and provide more empirically and uh, supported evidences on this uh, counterfactual question. So most of you are familiar with the history of you know, uh, recent Iran. Uh, basically, uh, you know what happened for decades ago, a decade ago in the form of uh, um, no, wave of revolution, which started more or less in the 1977 as an open resistance against the Shah, uh, which intensified during the 1978, uh, much more severe way, and resulted to uh, basically uh, departure of the Shah from Iran and victory of revolution in the 11th February 1979. So um, uh, our focus uh, treatment year here in this context in 1978 as the specific year which the revolutionary movement peaked significantly. However, we have also, uh, for our estimation calculation, we have also looked at uh, 1977, which has been mentioned by some scholars and some historians as uh, most likely the starting point of resistance against the Ahlavi monarchy system. And of course, subsequent war, this is a joint, uh, joint uh, shock for the, uh, for the uh, cases that we are reviewing with the composite shock. Uh, revolution, the war, war started in 1980 and last uh, ended in 1988. So it is hard to separate these two events from each other so for this reason, our focus when we talk about um, the shock of revolution, shock of revolution and the war with Iraq. Uh, there are a couple of studies that I just mentioned in the literature, briefly uh, select a few of them and uh, there are more of course in the paper itself that you can also look at them. Uh, Alan uh, Al Nasravi in 1986, of course, he calculated the, the economic cost imposed on Iran, Iranian side for the first six years of the war. And uh, basically his calculation is trying to, you know, uh, measure the reduction of Iranian oil production um, and exports uh, and basically the damage which, uh, uh, you know, imposed on some infrastructures and uh, additional costs of doing trade for Iran because of, you know, uh, the situation of the war and uh, the need to change the trading routes uh, which impose higher uh, trading costs. Um, to come to the uh, calculation, the numbers that within the first six years uh, cost uh, for Iranian side was about uh, the total estimated cost was around uh, 240 billion US dollars. Amir Ahmadi also used you know, secondary uh, information and uh, basically uh, he calculated the economic cost um, uh, for the Iranian side, including the damage on infrastructure, of course, excluding the human cost. And, uh, the opportunity cost of military expenditures and so on and so forth. It reached a number close to $600 billion for the period of the eight years war. And the MOFID also in his calculation reached more or less to the similar numbers. My calculation for the, uh, the loss uh, income for average Iranians uh, taking the whole population uh, during the 1978-1988 into account on average is much more than this is uh, 1.5 billion US dollar, trillion US dollar. Um, and of course, there are more studies. Um, uh, also 
have looked at the economic costs uh, imposed on the Iranian side uh, as, a, as a result of regime change uh, and the war, but not only the war period, but until the, the year 2010, uh, based on different scenarios. As I said, the, all these studies basically have important contribution to, uh, to shed more light on the damage that the war and the revolution uh, imposed on the Iranian economy. Uh, however, to answer that question, which I raised at the beginning, uh, namely what would the Iranian economy have looked like then since of revolution and the war, uh, basically we need a counterfactual Iran or synthetic Iran. Um, uh, we use a synthetic method, uh, control method, uh, which is by now an established methodology to find out the causal impact of exogenous shocks. I've been using different uh, research questions and disciplines. Here we are applying this method to identify the causal effect of uh, this political change and turmoil on uh, one important economic indicator, namely income per capita, which is understandable for uh, all of us. And it is one of the most important uh, indicate and proxy for economic development. Of course, economic development is a much more uh, uh, comprehensive topic, which includes also what is happening on the education side, what is happening on income inequality, health, and so on and so forth. Uh, but here, uh, uh, we focus on income per capita. Um, and of course, we quantify this effect. Uh, you know, I will show it to you briefly how we are going to do this. Uh, the logic is, of course, we need uh, we need a synthetic Iran counterfactual Iran, which I just said uh, is quite similar to Iranian example before the shock of revolution, uh, in the term of economic development, in the term of the predictor of income, namely the characteristic, the socio-economic characteristic of the synthetic Iran should be similar to Iran, or as much as possible close to the Iran, real Iran. And if we manage to find that that uh, let's say copy of Iran. Uh, with this method, basically, uh, the major advantage of this method is to produce, is give us this counterfactual Iran. Um, uh, basically, the, the, the estimation would then be possible. And uh, we also show you know, to what extent this estimation that we have are sensitive to uh, you know, inclusion, exclusion of countries from this counterfactual, this pool of countries which are producing counterfactual Iran. Um, and I will also show, it to, you, show it to you these sensitivity uh, checks that we have done to make sure that these estimations, uh, as much as possible, are reliable estimations. Um, basically, um, and the other things that, that regarding the synthetic control method, it's important to mention that uh, this counterfactual Iran uh, uh, basically is based on a weighted average of combination of different countries which are best able to predict uh, the situation of Iran before revolution. So in our uh, pool of uh, donor pool uh, countries, in our sample, which are meant to produce synthetic Iran, there are several countries, but uh, not all of them receiving equal weight to generate the synthetic Iran. And the model try to uh, basically uh, find the optimum ways uh, to these uh, selected number of these countries, which then make it possible for us to have a reliable uh, counterfactual example of uh, Iran. Uh, the method that I said is quite established, and I mean, uh, since the first work which I've been publishing, American Economic Review, uh, about the colleagues, 
they use this method to measure the economic cost uh, conflict in the case of Basque country in Spain. And uh, since then, we are observing uh, more and more application of this method uh, in different fields. Here, there are studies which basically are focusing on the economic cost of conflict using this method. There is this paper, as you see, uh, on the opportunity cost of conflict uh, for the case of uh, the second intifada in Israel from 2000 to 2005. And uh, they calculated significant economic costs imposed on Israeli citizens as a result of this conflict with Palestine, uh, around $2,000 per person for the period of conflict uh, income lost for Israeli part. Um, we have also one application of this method for the case of effects of international sanctions uh, during the 2012 and 2013 uh, for the Iranian economy, you know, the income loss. Uh, which published in economic letters. And there are a series of other studies which have been applied in the case of Turkey uh, and uh, for the Arab Spring uh, example, Tunisia, Egypt, and Libya. So uh, what was the economic cost of Arab Spring? And this method basically uh, proved to be quite helpful to um, you know, answer this type of question. Um, I've also uh, recently, uh, you know, Wrote, uh, written a paper uh, on the years of lost love, life lost to the Iranian revolution and the war. Here I focus on the uh, life expectancy and the, uh, the, the basically uh, the aspects of this transition from regime change and the war, which uh, affected life expectancy of Iranians and uh, which gives us a more you know, broader picture of the situation regarding, uh, regarding these economic consequences of the war, uh, focus change from income to the life expectancy and the sanction also. Uh, this is another study which I'm um, uh, working on that. So uh, the data that we have is uh, basically the time period that we are looking from 1970 to 1988. Uh, we have a couple of years before uh, revolution, 1970-1977, and uh, some years after uh, the shock of revolution during the war, namely 1978-1988. So uh, the ending is 1988. So uh, and the treatment shock, the treatment year, the the year that the shock is uh, imposed, the 1978. Um, or in the robustness check, we also tried 1977 because as I said, uh, there are uh, studies and research which says that uh, the open resistance against the Shah and revolutionary movement started in 1977. Um, the synthetic Iran uh, uh, needed donor pool. From this donor pool, we are selecting the countries which are best can generate the real Iran before the shock of revolution. And uh, basically in this donor sample, in this sample that we are using to generate the synthetic Iran, uh, I decided to focus on the countries uh, which are belonging to the Middle East and North Africa, and also the members of the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, Open Countries. So the reason why I focus on this sample, because the countries in these uh, areas uh, share similarities in variety of aspects from informal institutions, from geographical location, from the reliance on the oil. So uh, this is a better approach to rather 
make it very open and uh, ask the model to uh, basically find the most optimum from a global sample. Of course, in the robustness checks, I also remove this distraction and try to find out um, uh, the synthetic iron from a global sample without imposing a prior restriction on a specific region. But here in the main result, the sample that the, that I'm trying to find out the synthetic iron is coming from the MENA region and the open countries. Um, and the basically uh, uh, here, uh, uh, thing that we are uh, trying to find out uh, that uh, which countries from these donor groups uh, are best generating the Iran before the uh, shock of revolution. And if that generation happened, if that counterfactual, that synthetic Iran is generated, of course, uh, we expect to see a divergence in the income per capita of real Iran and a synthetic Iran. Synthetic Iran showing the situation when uh, there is no war and revolution for case of Iran. So it's a hypothetical uh, situation uh, in which Iran could be there at the absence of revolution and the war. So the difference between the income per capita of real Iran and the counterfactual Iran is basically is a measure that we are looking for as a, a measure of uh, income loss. Uh, income loss, and this is something that we are trying to do. Of course, as you can imagine, uh, to have an unbiased estimation of income loss for Iran, we need to have a group of countries in the donor sample which are not have the same problem as in Iran. Namely, they are not under the influence or they have not been under the influence of war, revolution, any sort of other major conflict and protest and so on and so forth. Otherwise, uh, if you put uh, other countries which have the same uh, you know, experience as in Iran, our estimation are biased. So I excluded a couple of countries, which uh, uh, for sure, I mean, Iraq is one of them, because that was a, a part of war, and uh, Lebanon and Israel, which were into conflict in the 80s, but also were also excluded, and the other countries which had uh, some missing information. So at the end, 11 countries remained to build the counterfactual Iran from the initial 20 countries. So uh, the method, uh, as I said, does not treat uh, each of these 11 countries equally to generate the counterfactual. It gives uh, some higher weights to some of them, and lower weights to some of them, sometimes give the uh, weight of zero to others which are not able to generate the uh, real Iran experience before the war and revolution. So therefore, uh, the model tried to uh, assign a specific weight between zero and one uh, to these countries in the donor sample. And uh, the idea is that these weights should be given in a way that uh, basically replicate the income per capita of Iran as close as possible before the revolution and the war. Um, and uh, yes, uh, and then uh, the model minimizes the distance between income per capita of Iran and income per capita of counterfactual Iran before revolution. And it's uh, when it's minimizing the distance between the predictor of income per capita in Iran and predictor of income per capita in its counterfactual uh, case, then uh, we are rather uh, in a, a good situation to estimate the causal impact of uh, this problem for Iran. 
So uh, this is a quite important assumption and quite important condition to have a successful, uh, basically, calculation to generate uh, the causal effect of the uh, revolution and the war, the so-called treatment effect, which is the difference between income per capita of Iran and income per capita of counterfactual Iran for the years after the shock and the, after the 1978. So the results, uh, I mean, which are the countries in the main results are generating the counterfactual Iran? These are the countries, the five countries from this sample of 11 countries uh, have been selected by the synthetic control method as the candidates for generating synthetic Iran. It gives 56% weight to the Tunisia, 16% to Venezuela, 13% Saudi Arabia, 12% Oman, 1.6% to Algeria. And as you see, there are countries which have received the weight of zero. So that means the synthetic copy of Iran uh, uh, is generated by 56% of situation in Tunisia, 60% in Venezuela, and so on and so forth. So this combination uh, is able to regenerate the economic situation of Iran before the 1978 uh, very closely in a very, uh, basically, uh, a very, uh, with the minimum errors and minimum residuals here. So uh, you see that here, for example, in this table, it is the comparison between real Iran and synthetic Iran. Uh, these are the GDP per capita of Iran before the revolution, before the 1978, in the year 1976, 1974, And these are the real observation US dollar adjusted for inflation. And you see the synthetic Iran is very much close to the real Iran in terms of generating economic situation of Iran before revolution. And these are the set of predictor of income. It should be there in order to have also a group of countries which are not only you know, reflecting the Iranian income per capita before the shock of revolution, but also from the social, uh, indeed, uh, demographic characteristics basically are close to Iran. And the difference between uh, Iran and synthetic Iran is reflected here. You see the difference uh, is quite small. Um, uh, the reason that we are, we are emphasizing synthetic method is more helpful because if we look at the un, unweighted average of these variables for the countries which had a higher weight of zero, uh, if we were not giving, uh, if we were not uh, assumed to give these basically optimum weights to these countries, you see the model is very poor in terms of uh, predicting the economic situation of. Uh, a real Iran before revolution, and the difference is quite si uh, sizable and large. So that is the uh, that is the reason that the synthetic method is needed, uh, and this weighted average of countries in Donegal is quite important to generate uh, a good uh, situation of Iran before revolution. And here is the output of the main result, uh, which shows where Iran was before revolution, and what happened after revolution and where Iran could be if the revolution and the war was not happening. So the solid line is the situation of income per capita of Iran uh, from 1970 to 1987 to 1988. You see it is a close uh, no, no, um, uh, trend between Iran and the synthetic Iran before the revolution. And the treatment here is the 1978. And after that, the synthetic Iran was you know, developing like this. A synthetic Iran, which had not experienced the war and revolution, and the real Iran, 
um, is dropping significantly. So the distance between these two lines are the economic costs of uh, revolution and the war, uh, which is also shown in this figure. So you see uh, the income gap between Iran and the real, the real Iran, the Central Iran is almost zero before the shock of revolution. And the revolution happened, basically uh, the gap become uh, negative, uh, very negative. And these uh, dashed lines are statistical significance, whether this effect that we are estimating uh, statistically is different from zero. So it's not only economically significant, highly negative, uh, which is reflected by this number here on the vertical axis. Uh, this, is the per, uh, this is the income loss for each Iranian on average, uh, which are calculated to be basically uh, around the 3,000 US dollar per person. So an average Iranian has the accumulated loss of average Iranian is uh, 36,000 US dollar. When we take the population of Iran in Taiwan from 1978 to 1988, around uh, 40, 43, uh, 44 million people. So uh, the total income loss at the country level would be around 1.5 trillion US dollar, much higher than the previous estimation by the other papers. Of course, as I said, uh, the results needs to be checked uh, to find out whether to what extent these results are sensitive to a specific robustness checks. Uh, one of the things which is common uh, in a robustness check in this literature is to uh, apply the same uh, uh, method to other countries in this donor group. Um, if we found out the similar shock which happened to other countries, a result to the same picture as in the case of Iran, probably we need to think again whether it was really the revolution and the war which is resulting to this picture or something else. Uh, we found out in the, in the so-called in a space plausible test, uh, when we apply this synthetic control method to other countries in this group, we found that there are no other plausible uh, runs that outperform or equal the effect estimate for Iran. So I Iran is really uh, basically is the, the effects of Iran is dominant and no other countries that we have imposed this shock on them is able to generate uh, uh, the same picture as Iran. Uh, we have also done in-time plausible, so namely we have changed the treatment year to other, uh, to other years, which basically could uh, uh, not result to the same uh, consequences for the income per capita. One of these years is 1975, the other is 1980. Uh, it turned out that really uh, the, the divergence between Iran, the real Iran, the counterfactual Iran happens at the time of revolution. So other uh, you know, times and periods basically are not uh, uh, leading to, to this result. And uh, we also check uh, uh, whether inclusion of one important country in this uh, sample of uh, you know, donor sample, which is uh, used to generate synthetic Iran, is driving this result. We exclude um, you know, in the first uh, round the, the most important country with the higher weights and reestimate the model and uh, check it. And then in the second case, we again uh, no drop the most important country with the highest weight and check it and check it. And uh, basically, uh, yeah, it turns out that the synthetic control is also almost to exclusion of influential important countries in the donor sample. 
And as I said, the one final thing that we did, uh, you know, instead of focusing on the MENA region and OPEC countries to find the, there is the counterfactual you understand the Iran, extended the sample to the global sample and uh, you know, uh, again did this exercise and found out that the results are quite robust to this. So in a, two minutes, uh, uh, again, I summarize what we did. Uh, that was the question that we raised, you know, what would the Iran economy have looked like in the absence of revolution to war? Uh, I think that one method that can answer this question in a, a transparent way is the sanitary control method. The advantage is that it helps us to answer the causal effects of war. And it gives us a counterfactual situation for Iranian uh, economy uh, if this war and if this revolution was not happening. Uh, of course, uh, what the synthetic uh, control method does not show us is the mechanism, uh, the transmission mechanism of what, you know, what happened, uh, which basically the income of Iran uh, so massively reduced compared to its counterfactual. So the mechanism needs more analysis. This is a summary of the estimation. So average Iranian uh, per capita loss every year is around 3,000 US dollar and the accumulated form during this period of 1978 to 1988, each Iranian on average have lost 34,000 US dollar. Again, the estimations. Um, why this happened? One possible reason uh, is that uh, you know, uh, yeah, these income loss come from uh, high opportunity costs of spending on military, so the money which could be spent on education and health needed to be spent on the military as a result of conflict and violence. So that might be one reason of this. And of course, uh, we see that the size of middle class also during the revolution and the war reduced significantly, which was minimum at the end of the war. And we are also experiencing a significant political factionization as a result of revolution and the war, which increased the cost of economic coordination, coordination policies. Uh, and uh, increase the rent-seeking activities in Iran. So political factionalization uh, probably is, was behind of this uh, significant uh, economic loss. Um, limitation that this paper had, uh, it cannot separate uh, the shock of revolution from shock of the war, because as you can see, you know, revolution happened in a very close contact with the war. And uh, at best, we can say that the result of this study is uh, measuring the composite treatment of uh, joint treatment effects of the war and revolution together. Uh, future research can uh, probably better focus on understanding the transmission channel of uh, these negative numbers that we uh, identified here. So with this, uh, I come to uh, the end of my presentation. I would be happy to answer your question. Thank you very much.